Welcome back to TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. I am Dr. Eileen Hale, the COO of TTELT, and I have a wonderful favorite guest of mine today who I have known since 1996 when I started my doctoral work at the University of San Francisco. Today I'm going to introduce Dr. Alma Florada to you, who has worked prolifically in writing and research. And she is bilingual, originally from Cuba, came to the United States. I'll let her share more of her background. But she was very instrumental in my life uh, as my doctoral advisor when I studied at University of San Francisco. And the opportunity she afforded us as part of our dissertation writing process, she facilitated a trip for those who were able to travel with her to Cuba to share our doctoral dissertations in 1997. And that impacted my life forever <laughs> and still has wonderful impacts that carry on today. So I wanted to invite Alma Flor to introduce her show, herself quickly and then we'll bring up her PowerPoint of her topic today is publishing as educators and how we get into the realm of publishing. So Alma Flor, welcome. Would you like to share with us about, of, thank you. Of course, Eileen, I will be delighted. So um, how do we start? <laughs> Just introduce yourself, uh, how you got, you might a little bit about where you were born and raised and how you got to America and began your career in education. Just a short introduction and then we'll launch into our topic of publishing as educators. Well, thank you so much, Eileen, first of all, for the invitation and secondly, for the nice words. Um, you think I have impacted your life and I know that I have been impacted by you, um, by your interest, enthusiasm, uh, creativity, persistence, and <clears throat> multiple ways in which you have um, found ways to, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, to be creative in, uh, and to impact the world around you. Um, I was born in Camagüey, Cuba uh, in 1938. Um, that's a lot before most of you that are listening. Um, I came to the United States several times in my life. As a high school student, I spent the summer learning English. Um, I did my first year of college and second year of college in the States. Um, I came back um, briefly after being studying in Spain. And, um, and then I came as a... <clears throat> As a, a scholar of the Radcliffe Institute at Harvard um, after finishing my dissertation. And finally, uh, in 1970, I came to the United States as a permanent resident. And um, I have taught at Emory University in Atlanta, Mercy College, now Mercy University in Detroit, and the University of San Francisco, where I really made my uh, my home. Wonderful. We're so pleased to have you with us today to share the topic of publishing as educators. So I have loaded your PowerPoint for those of you who can watch this on our YouTube channel. You can watch afterwards. And for our listeners, Alma Flora is going to talk to us about the process of publishing as educators. 
and how we can go about doing that. She starts off with saying, my thanks to you. Would you like to read that or would you like me to read? Of course, I would like to thank everyone who's listening. Because you show a strong commitment by watching or listening to this presentation, I know uh, you have a commitment to motivate reflection in your students, to inspire them to create a better future, a society of equality and social justice those things being required for an authentic and lasting peace. And you're also interested if you're looking at this or listening to this in uh, finding a space uh, for your voice as a written voice, as a published voice. And I welcome you for being here. Thank you so much. Words are very powerful. Sorry. Words are very no, powerful. They can inspire. They can illuminate, instruct. They allow us to express our ideas, to share our experiences, our feelings, and emotions. Yes. And written words can preserve our thoughts, our experiences and feelings, our desires, dreams, anything about us so that we can share with those around us and with those far away, with family and with friends and with people that we will never know in the present and in the future. So that's beautiful. Can you share with us how one learns the process of publishing? You have no, you have- Well, um, of course one has to talk about writing before one talks about publishing. But I will say that one learns to write by reading. I am convinced that reading is what makes you a good writer. And most authors build their own writing on what they admired as readers and what they enjoy reading. And then they find their own way to uh, present their ideas, but somehow they have those steps to build upon uh, of what other writers have written before. So I say, if you wanna write poetry, read, read and read poetry. And the same, of course, is true for any other a form of writing, stories, plays, nonfiction. Personally, I have read a lot of poetry in my life before ever writing any. <laughs> the second thing I would like to insist upon is that we all have something worth writing about. The idea of, well, what am I gonna write about? What, what could I write about? Our life contains many meaningful moments and significant people that only we know and can write about. Um, these were some of my first books of, can you bring it back? Yes, sorry, I missed that slide, sorry. Yes. yes. Um, these were my first two books of autobiographical writing. They are about childhood memories. I can assure you that I would have never thought of writing a whole book about my memories. But a magazine had an option for sending a couple of moments of one's childhood. And I took that invitation and it was, well, they actually asked for one, but it was very difficult for me to choose one. When I began writing, I wrote actually three. And then I sent them to them and they said, well, you know, they're, it's wonderful. We can only have uh, space for one, but since you already have these three, why don't you continue writing others? 
What I'm trying to say with this is that sometimes it's easier if your task of writing is small, if you're not thinking now I'm gonna write my whole life, but let me write something about my life and then add to that. I like to show these four books because Island Treasures contains in itself the other two childhood memories that I showed before, plus a few other uh, short pieces on my life. With that childhood memories, then uh, after that comes Vivir en Dos Idiomas. That book has not been uh, translated from the Spanish, but the title is Living in Two Languages, because that's really the autobiography of my whole life. Again, written by chapters, not thinking of it as a, it is a continuous, but it's not um, an impenetrable continuous. It's, it's just things that link to each other to show my whole life. And when I did that, the title was very important. What do you call the story of your life? Well, for me, it was to live in two languages because that's really, I believe that one lives not so much in a place, but in a language. And I have been um, given by life the opportunity or destiny of living in two languages. Recently, I wrote another autobiographical book and I call it um, a lifelong journey, becoming a teacher. That's my biography from the aspect of my professional work as an educator um, that has been so significant in, and the book focuses on that. Again, if you were to look at it, they're separate independent chapters written at different moments, but that come together as a whole. And my last book on this sense of writing about my life is called My Books, My Life, because I realized um, at this point in life that each one of my books has a part of me. That there is nothing that I've written, no matter how brief and simple it might look, that it's not connected in some way to an experience, an idea, a thought or something personal that I've seen or experienced. And so I decided to talk about how my books came to me. Now, Beautiful. children and teachers constantly ask me, where do ideas come from? Yeah. Well, I like to respond that stories and poems are all around us. Look at those pictures. That's one of my grandchildren and one of my daughter-in-law sent me that amazing picture. She's actually kissing a frog. She captured a frog and she's kissing it. Now you can't let a picture like that go <laughs> stay by itself. I mean, it really demands a story, right? So then I wrote Cristina y la rana, Cristina and the frog, that book is translated, um, about a child who um, indeed sees a frog in her garden and kisses the frog and she's hoping that maybe the frog will turn into a good friend for her. Okay. Well, it so happened that I'm almost at that time, her little baby sister is born, looking very much like a frog and actually have a photo of one of my granddaughters who really looks so much in the bathtub like a frog. And, um, and she's convinced that she's brought this about, that that child has appeared because she kissed a frog asking for a friend, except the friend sent the wrong, I mean, the frog sent the wrong kind of friend. Anyway, it's- um, A beautiful story. 
I like how you weave in these ideas for our listeners. How do we start writing? Oftentimes we even say writer's block. What do I write about? Exactly. So, well, this is this is what I'm showing, for example, this other book. I was once in, in Maui and it was Sunday morning and I was seeing the families walking around and the families were so um, cultural, I mean, culturally integrated, if you want. I mean, the families where you could see the mixed heritage, the different uh, ethnicities and, and cultures brought together within a family. And I thought, oh my, that's true of my family. My grandchildren also have dual cultures because all my sons um, married, um, you know, English speaking, what would I say? Uh, white American women, if I have to say it this way. Anyway, so I thought, Hmm, that's important because uh, uh, the integration of two cultures in a family is so valuable and, and it's their experience. So then I wrote this, I love Saturday, see Domingos, where this child who's telling this story goes to one set of grandparents on Saturday and the other set of grandparents on Sundays. And what she sees on each one sort of mirrors one another, but not quite. And of course there are these words that are used that are different. And so the book incorporates in this English version, I love Saturday, see Domingos, it incorporates a number of words in Spanish. And in the opposite book, is, I may, me gustan los sábados. Um, and Sundays, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, and Saturday, see Domingos. Um, and so, yes. Sorry to interrupt you. I love that idea. And I was thinking for our, most of all our listeners, I would say are at least bilingual, if not trilingual or more. And I think this is a great example of how you can incorporate your mother tongue with English for many of our teachers come from other countries and obviously have other languages of their first language. So how to incorporate your first language and English into writing is really powerful and can be a great model for different types of writing you can do as well as with your students. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, of course. So authenticity, how do you bring your authenticity into your writing? I think that authenticity is essential. That if you're not writing from um, your conviction of something, your knowledge of something, your understanding of something, even your dream of something, but as long as it's really sincere and authentic, um, that's what really makes a book, a good book, a book that remains that many people want to read. But when I talk about authenticity, I want to make it clear that authenticity is not in opposition to imagination. You can combine the two things. In the previous book that I show, there was authenticity because I know what it is for families to be combined, but also imagination because the child that I created, the two families I created, they're not necessarily real in any way. Um, let authenticity and imagination support and complement each other. That's great. Yeah. And now I will say it. If you love to write, then write. Do not let the idea of publishing get on the way. Publishing may be hard, but what I can assure you is that one book that will never be published is the one that was never written. I know many people have come to me along the years, 
Oh, I want to be published. What do I do to be published? Well, what have you written? Well, I haven't been writing because I don't know how I'm going to be publishing. That's the wrong approach. You love to write, you write. And then publishing comes after that. And once you have written, my next recommendation is read your text, whatever it may be, aloud to yourself. Be your first critic. Get yourself in a place where, a place where nobody will bother you, whether it's the bathroom or your home or a corner in the uh, basement or whatever, and read aloud the way you would do in a theater with all the emotions, all the expressions with the adequate rhythm and notice. That is the first way of really evaluating our text. What is missing? when you were reading, what became excessive? What was needed? Was an explanation needed there so that it would be really understood? What should be changed? But at all times, be a supportive critic of yourself. Your text may need rewarding and refining. And this is true of most drafts, <laughs> even of professional authors. Sometimes we do so many revisions but you have already created something that didn't exist previously. Before you wrote it, it did Sorry. not exist. And now it does. That's already a creation. Congratulate yourself. Would you encourage uh, people to read to their significant other if they have one or a very close friend as well? To well, here you are anticipating what I was gonna say. Share your text orally or in writing with others. Be grateful for comments. Do not let negative comments deter you. I have uh, co-authored a couple of books with my son and we got a lot of positive comments and then we got some negative comments and my son said, those are the valuable ones. Those are the ones that are teaching us something. If they found something they didn't like, we should take the time to look at it again. Find out if there is some truth in those negative comments, some truth that can be useful to you. But again, do not be deterred by comments. There are times in which something is just perfect, but not everybody has the same liking. See, um, here is a comment. That's my daughter when we were living in Lima, Peru. And when she said to me, mom, I'll have to make my own books. The ones you make are too ugly. I was <laughs> writing high school textbooks. And there was nothing on those books for her. These really were very ugly for her. So, um, but that was a very sincere comment and it got me into writing children's books. That's now, um, Can you share about different ways that things evolve into professional books, if you will, but they might, what they might be in stages to becoming books. We'll get there. Um, see, what I want to say now is that there are many ways that your stories or poems or memoirs can be shared before they become a book. Um, one of the first children's stories that I wrote that I really wanted to share was um, called Friends. Well, at the time, uh, I had no way of publishing, I was in the States, of publishing here at all. I had been doing a lot of translations for publishers, but they were not interested in my original things. So here I had this story and I wanted it shared. So what I did is I just make some storyboards, really 
simply a piece of cardboard and I um, I put like a background on it. It's actually one storyboard with a background and then I make the characters on little pieces and I didn't even have any sophisticated thing to stick them on the plastic board, just little rolls of masking tape in the back. And when I told this story, I was putting these characters on that uh, on that board and telling this story to kids. And the kids were really interested. I heard their comments, I heard their questions. I kept thinking about this story and um, eventually it became a book. But um, you can, and there is the book, Friends. You can also, of course, share a book um, as a recording, as a video, as you know, there are many ways. But how I became an author really started this way. I was a teacher, a high school teacher. I did not like the books I had to teach from. I thought that if I used those books, my students were going to hate grammar the way I had hated grammar. They were going to hate spelling the way I had hated spelling. Uh, they would not be interested in writing. And I thought um, I had to overcome that. Now I had no access to get anything published. I typed my materials in, well, something that probably some of you might not even know what it is, mimeograph. There were some jelly, can I say, uh, masters that you typed on and then you run it through uh, a machine and you got all dirty with the ink from the machine and you got those not so nice copies, but you could make a hundred of them and you could, you know, page by page, and then you could give them to your students and you could work from that. And uh, I kept doing new ones and newer ones on different things, on literature, on spelling, on writing, um, <clears throat> also on grammar, so shown, shown here. And one day, eventually, because they had been written, a professor friend saw me with a stack of things, papers like that, that I was correcting. And he said, what is that? I said, well, my classroom materials, your classroom materials. He took a look and he said, but these are books. It should be published as books. And that's what really got me started. I wrote it, it was written, and then it could be published. I think so now, many of us as teachers create our own lessons all the time or create additional things to supplement our lessons. So what Alma Flor just said to you all as listeners, I think is really key, taking those things that you write even in your notes on the side of the book and turning them into something that could be published one day is a great little tip there that uh, I think we'll need to retain for our listeners. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, and of course, Eileen, today with computers, I mean, I only had a manual typewriter, so it wasn't even electric. I know, um, right? <laughs> and mimeograph was such a dirty stuff. I mean, with computers today, we can do so many things. And I just wanted to share that um, uh, stories and, and things to write do not only come from, you know, one's own experience. When we open our eyes and our heart to what's happening around us, then we can have a new awareness. And working with migrant farm working families throughout California, uh, talking to them about education, about what they could do as teachers of their children, I develop a new awareness. And I was very enriched and inspired by their examples, um, by their 
strong family commitment, their work ethics and ethics and generosity. And that gave way to what you're going to see now. Um, <clears throat> I look for words to honor the farm workers. And this is a book of, um, it's actually bilingual, although the title is only in English, of short, simple poems um, celebrating the farm workers. And then I was privileged enough that it was illustrated by a great illustrator, Simon Silva, who himself grew up as a farm worker. Um, when he was beginning to illustrate the book, he said, oh, but I need a, I need a field of uh, carrots here because um, I grew up um, working on the carrot fields. So I did change the, um, the last, um, because it's an ABC, so, I, I, in Spanish, uh, ABC, it follows the Spanish ABC. I changed the page that I had for the Z that begins Sanaoria in Spanish and made it a, a carrot field. Um, and, and I was privileged that uh, there is Simon and there are the carrot fields and there is the poem Pride. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough that um, Suni Paz, was a great creator and singer, um, recently being awarded a National Endowment for the Humanities Award. Um, she put music to all the poems in this uh, book, and now they can be sang and have been sung many times. Another thing is that we can celebrate the work of others. I write poetry today, and I'm delighted to write and publish poetry. But my many, many first books of poetry were not about my original poetry. They were anthologies of the poetry of other poets. I was celebrating them. I was honoring them. I was gathering them and sharing them with children. And in the process of doing that, I learned a lot about poetry. And somehow I was able to, at some point, get over my shyness about writing poetry and begin to write my own poetry. So one way to create books and to publish books is to gather the work of others. Um, now, comments to publishing, because I suspect our time will be short. Um, there are three ways to publish. It can be self-published, can be published by a small publishing house, and it can be published what we all would like with a major publishing house. Let's see them. Uh, now, first, I want to point out that to be a published author is a profession in itself. Most people who want to become authors as a profession, it's like becoming a teacher. Well, they want to become an author. So they study a master's of fine arts in writing. They participate in professional organizations and subscribe to publications about writing. Now, this doesn't mean that other people cannot also become published. Publishing with a major publishing house, this demands almost inevitably to go through an agent. An agent may be as almost, almost as hard to get because the agents want to get someone who they think is definitely gonna make it big. And there is a great discrepancy between the number of people who would like to be published and the number of books published. Um, at the University of San Francisco, we had a conference called Reading the World. And one of the, the years, we brought in 
uh, a specialist in children's literature from throughout the world. And we discovered that the United States has a, in comparison to the number of people, uh, much less production of books than other countries. And that was quite surprising. And then when we analyzed what was happening and so forth, it happened that in many countries, a publisher will say, well, if I publish this book and it sells and it leaves a little profit, that's fine. And then instead of publishing you know, one book, he can publish three books um, for the, and, and put three authors out there with their work as a possibility because he's not looking for such a huge gain. In the United States, big publishers, they're much more interested in publishing one author with many copies than three authors with one third of the copies. So a smaller number of, of authors, a smaller number of books, but greater gain with less exposure. And now it's, a, you know, it's just a commercial yeah. way you'll see in the world. But anyway, so it's not really easy to get to a big publishing house. Smaller publishing house instead might be more accepting of a novel author. Some of them, most of them have a social interest beyond just making money. And they're willing to publish books that will just sell enough um, to have a reasonable profit rather than limiting the number of books. So um, let's go to the next, which is self-publishing. Now self-publishing has many forms. I'll give you the basic three. One is printing the manuscript through a print, printer's shop. You can do that yourself. You can even do it through the mail, like with uh, 48 hours and you, uh, no 48 hours books, no problem. But to get a good price, one must print a large number of books. It can work if the author has a place to store the books and to sell the books. Otherwise you might end up with a lot of books. Um, I still have, some boxes of books um, of things that I printed this way, and then it was very difficult to get all those books out. Now, there are self-publishing companies that provide the service of printing and some advertising. I would love to think there's some, uh, some out there that really um, are successful, but I have not yet found one. I've heard a lot of people unsatisfied by having gone with this. The costs are very high and they haven't really felt that, that it had provided what they were hoping for. Now there is a third form, and this is Amazon self-publishing. I want to clarify, I don't have any connection with Amazon. I'm not trying to give Amazon any publicity, but I am personally self-publishing in Amazon right now. And, I'm, and it's been very valuable to me. I was given this tip by another, by a friend who also publishes there. Most people don't know this, at least I had no idea, that one can take a manuscript, put a, well, this is all through the internet, of course, uh, convert a manuscript, you put it on PDF, and then um, it gets automatically put into the form of a book. You choose your cover from the many they offer you, or you put your own one, and there's absolutely no cost to get that manuscript put into a paper book or an ebook. Now, the selling price is uh, set by the author. Now, Amazon indicates a cost price and said anything above this is fine. And then you can set whatever price you want. And then 
from the difference between the cost price and the selling price, the author receives royalties. Now, the author can order the books at the cost price, and you can order one or up to 99. But, okay, what are some of the benefits to this? There is an ecological benefit because only the books that are going to be read are published. You can order one copy or five or 10. And also you can create new editions. Let's say you got your book out there and then you realize you would like to change things. If your book had been printed, you couldn't do that because in every, you know, you'd have to throw away all the other books. But with this, you can change it as many times as you want. And the old versions won't be reproduced anymore. And, but nothing got lost. No paper was used on that. That's a great tip. That's <laughs> very important to know about. I'm sorry? That's a great tip. Very important to know about so the Amazon. I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. I, I am because I really want, want you to know that it exists. Now, I do want to encourage all of you to follow your dream to write. Visit the web pages of authors you admire. Attend author sessions at educational conference. Cultivate patience and perseverance. Be daring and imaginative and keep reading and reading and reading. I love this image. It's this, um, you know, on the European cathedrals and churches, you find these statues of people who, um, you know, above their tombs. And most of them are laying down with a sword, you know, and here is this one of this guy who's just kneeling there very joyfully, reading, <laughs> reading, reading even after death. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> we don't do that as much as we should in our culture, do we? And now I, I will finish with this. What you write is valuable. Whatever you write, whether it is published or you make a few copies or you make Xerox copies or you keep it as a manuscript, can be a precious gift to those who care about you. I am thankful to my mother and my aunts and my father who wrote. You might never know if what you write today may be published tomorrow. It's a book of my grandmother's writing, of my aunt's writings, my mother's life. They never thought they would ever be books. They were things they wrote, but I picked them up and thanks to Amazon, turned them into books. And I'm very happy to have been able to that and to be able to share their words with the whole family. I think there is something else. Those are beautiful. Thank you yes. for sharing. We no, just, just want to wish everyone that your actions and your dreams continue to bloom. I will be very glad if you visit almafloradacom That's my website. Sisomoslatinos.com that gives um, a lot of activities and suggestions to use that book. The authors in the classroom.com is the whole idea of um, teachers, parents, and children becoming authors around the classroom. And in Mariposa Transformative Education, you can see the books that I've been publishing in, in, uh, in Amazon. So many of my family books that maybe may inspire you to do something similar. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing those with us, Alma Flor. And we will have these websites in the notes for our listeners to see on the YouTube channel afterwards. And please come join us on June 12th 
at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when Alma Flor and her wonderful colleague Isabel Campoy will give a live workshop on authors in the classroom. So you may have already heard Isabel Campoy's podcast related to authors in the classroom, tagged with this podcast on publishing for educators. We're so grateful to you, Alma Flor, for joining us today. Thank you again for your special time. And it's such a pleasure to see you again on Zoom. Hope to see you in person sooner than later. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for joining it us. Really, It's been really a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wonderful knowledge of all these years with our listeners. You can find Alma Flor at almaflor.com is her website. And again, that will be in our notes. Stay tuned for the workshop on June 12th. So to recap uh, the tips from Alma Florada for those who are interested in publishing, she encourages us to facilitate writing as a natural process, encourage, encourages all writers out there to write what they're passionate about. Write, write, write without worrying about publishing because that can often be a writer's block. So don't think about the publishing side, just write and write. Create your own materials. As teachers, we often do this, but it was so fascinating to hear Alma Flora talk about how she did it 30, 40, 50 years ago when she would take her own materials and actually print them and turn them into publications eventually down the road. So realize that all those notes you put on the side of textbooks that you have to teach <laughs> from the curricular side of things, you can also enhance them by publishing your own side materials. Make use of resources. She has a resource called the, Children, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. We have the websites, a number of websites here for you that we encourage you to follow up and watch our YouTube so that you can see those. And please join us on June 12th. It's a Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when you can learn much more with Alma Florada and Isabel Campoy when they share personal and detailed explanations of their book, Authors in the Classroom, and how you can encourage your students to become authors as well as become an author yourself if you're not already one. Stay tuned also in May for Gina Rhodes, our CEO, to join us on Thursday, May 27th, 5.30 p.m. to talk about engaging with Goose Chase or on Saturday, May 29th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for her workshop. Don't forget every month we have TTELT Talks, Saturday, May 29th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be talking about topics that matter to you most. And don't forget to follow us at TTELT.org or email us TTELTinfo at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group, TTELT, Instagram, Twitter. We'd love to have you join us and share with fellow teachers around the world. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll look forward to seeing you or hearing from you in future workshops and our monthly TTELT talks. This is Eileen Hale. We'll be seeing you at our future events. Have a great day. <laughs>